It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are all here with us today. Um, We have a wonderful show in store for you. I have an amazing author I'm really looking forward to bring on to the show. Uh, uh, She's really something special. Um, But first, of course, we have our little section from my own book, uh, Everyday Awakening, which is available at everydayawakeningbook.com. So let me just uh, get started because I really need to bring on this guest quickly. So today's section is entitled, being honest with ourselves is about reality. Being honest with ourselves about reality is how we empower ourselves. We all see life as we want it to be. Sometimes that is how it is. Many times it is not. Our vision of what is going on is often clouded by our, by our desires. This is what causes us not to see the reality of life. Perhaps we want things to work out so badly that we ignore the warning signs in the relationships. Maybe we are so invested in our business we don't see the change in the market. Sometimes we ignore warning signs of poor health, not wanting to believe that we could be sick. The difference between our perception and reality is an important one to recognize. How do we become more in alignment with reality? It is about understanding ourselves and our desires. It is about knowing ourselves well enough to see our own biases. It is about being honest enough with ourselves that we want something so badly we could not be seeing clearly. This is not easy to do. It takes real courage to see life as it really is. The level of honesty about our own hopes, dreams, and desires must be high. It is easy to kid ourselves. It is easy to believe we, are, we really are seeing things accurately. It takes work to question ourselves and be willing to be open to receive the answer we don't want. None of us wants to hear that things are not as we desire. None of us intentionally wants to know that things are worse than we think. Yet, if we allow ourselves to be so brutally honest with ourselves, then we are empowered to do something about it. Then we can take the appropriate action. Then we can be prepared for what is to come, even if it is unpleasant. 
It is better to see life as it really is than to be surprised by what was in front of us the entire time. So where have you been kidding yourself? Where can you be a little more honest with yourself about what is going about what is going on so that you can take the next appropriate step? Being gentle with yourself around it, but be, be gentle with yourself around it, but be honest. So, uh, uh, oh, wow. Um, I see loyal listener Patty checking in today already on the Facebook Live. Happy birthday, Patty. I uh, hope you don't mind I'm telling everyone that. Um, so this section of the book I wrote uh, after a couple of incidences, while I was studying in my facilitation training program, I ended up working with a woman who uh, I had an opportunity to work with her to hold groups and do stuff while I was still in training. She was in a totally different lineage. And I didn't really see the warning signs that she hadn't really been doing enough of her own work and that she wasn't really as stable as she presented until one day things blew up in my face and there was a big problem. And, and so that was like the first thing of like, Sam, you're not really seeing reality that's right in front of you. And, and even before that, there had been an incident where um, my teacher, the creator of the lineage that I'm a facilitator in now, had been down in Peru and he had a, a near-death experience. And he had come back and, and, and it took him a while. This is pre-pandemic. And, and he was kind of uh, um, recuperating and stuff. And then he came out for the first time and he came to New York uh, for a training uh, with the facilitators. And then afterwards, um, I talked with my mentor whose house it was at, and he said, so what did you think about him? And, and I said, well, I mean, he seems like he was really happy to see everybody. He seems like he was doing better. And he was like, yeah, that, that appearances can be deceiving because he had a big problem afterwards and, and he had a panic attack and he, and he, and he was here for an extra week and, and couldn't fly back. And that even though he, he seemed so excited to see us. And, and of course, we wanted to believe that he's doing better, that he's recovered, that everything's okay. And the truth was that he wasn't. And, and, and that level of discernment is something that I know for myself personally has been a challenge over the years, um, but I see it, it's a more broad issue, um, which is why I wanted to write about it in the book, why I felt like this section was really important, because so often, whether it's in a relationship, a, a, an intimate relationship, a relationship with a friend, a family member, something happening with our career, our business, or, or our passion, we really want to believe that everything's going well, that things are good, that things are actually better than they are. I mean, I know there are people out there who always see things worse than they are, um, but both seeing things worse than they are and seeing things better than they are, um, both can be a bit of a challenge rather than seeing the way things really are. Um, personally, I'd rather err, if I'm going to err on one side or the other, I'd rather err on the side of seeing things better than they are, because I believe that improves things. But really, if we can be completely neutral and present and really see either people or the situation in front of us as it really is, and that how we want it to be, 
that actually is the most empowered place that we can come from. That's when we can really take action that is necessary, um, do the things that need to be done in the particular situation. Um, and so I, I just really wanted to impress upon people how much like this concept of being really honest with ourselves about reality, how truly important that is to how we live our life. And, and even just to question ourselves, like just ask yourself over this next week, like, am I seeing things the way they really are or how I want them to be? And, and I sometimes feel that just by asking the question, that helps us to maybe see things a little clearer because then we question whether we are seeing it. And then maybe if we're not, it, it raises a little uh, awareness around it and says, hmm, you know what, maybe I'm not, or I'm not sure if I am. It's okay not to be sure. Um, let, let me really step back feel inside? Am I really being neutral about this? Am I really being neutral about the person, the situation, what's going on in the world? And really take a step back and as best as we can to come from a place of neutrality. Now, look, I mean, I don't think there are any Buddhist monks listening to us. I don't think there are any uh, people who have really achieved a, a, a very deep level, maybe my guest, um, but it's a challenge for all of us. But at least if we bring it into our awareness that this is a challenge for us, then there's an opportunity to perhaps see things more clearly. So um, that's the section from my book, Everyday Awakening. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, if you liked it, you can always find it in any bookstore. You can find it online. Just search for the title, Everyday Awakening, with my name, Sam Leibowitz. Um, and uh, of course, you can get it from the link everydayawakeningbook.com. Thank you so much. All right. Now, it is my extreme pleasure to welcome to the show author and fellow psychonaut, Dr. Shelley Renee Joy. Uh, Shelley Renee Joy attended Rice University on a physics scholarship and graduated with a degree in electrical engineering. After graduation, she worked with Dr. John C. Lilly. Oh, I never met him, but he's always been a hero of mine on interspecies communication and pursued contemplative practice with uh, a very famous uh, Buddhist monk, Chung Yong uh, Trungpa Rinpoche. She completed her doctorate in philosophy, cosmology, and consciousness at the California Institute of, of Integral Studies. Uh, she is the author of several books, including Turning the Mind and her latest book, Tantric Psychophysics, A Structural Map of Altered States and the Dynamics of Consciousness. Uh, uh, tantric Psychophysics has been called a bold synthesis of ancient sacred science, modern physics, and neuroscience designed to open access to higher consciousness. Exploring tantric teachings from India and Tibet, uh, Shelley presents a wide-ranging collection of practical techniques to induce altered states of consciousness for the exploration of heightened mystical states. She also shows how these theories and techniques are fully supported by modern biophysics, brain science, and quantum physics. And I, I do have my copy of the book right here. And it is my pleasure to welcome her to the show. Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Shari. Shelley. Sam, so happy to be here and uh, be able to talk with you. 
Uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show today. Um, so before we dive into the book, I, I, I would just love to know a little bit more about you. Like, what was it that that sort of got you to gravitate to uh, really pursue this? How would I describe it? These deeper questions and these deeper things in life. I mean, I was a, a my first uh, major in college was, was physics. And, and, and it just, it always make, I'm always so curious about what is it that causes people like you and me to really want to know, like, what is it about the underlying structure of the universe? You know, what, what is life all about? What, what got you really curious? Well, I would say that your introductory remarks really hit the nail on the head in a way that when people are challenged when they, they have what they think are difficulties or, or problems, they usually can be uh, transformed into something that's very positive. And in my case, I was born transgender. I'm a transgender woman. Um, oh. I didn't come out until I was almost 50 years old uh, because the word wasn't even a word when I was young. Yeah. Nowadays, young transgender yeah. people have a lot more support. But... Um, Somewhat like uh, uh, early on, I, I, of course, my parents told me I couldn't act like a girl or be a girl, and I was quite unhappy. I finally accepted it, but um, since a really young age, I felt like I was uh, had a mental problem. I, you know, as a child, you don't even know what that means, but I felt there's something, there's some problem going on. I need to try to understand myself. You know, am I crazy? I think quite often that would come up. Am I really crazy? So I wasn't. Um, but like like other trans people, like Bruce Jenner, who went for mm -hmm. became a, a gold medalist Olympian, I focused on on studying. I thought by by really uh, learning, studying in school, and, and excelling, um, not only it would take my mind off my inner conundrum, but but I wanted to try to f fix myself and find out what the problem was. So I was I was raised um, by a, a fairly religious traditional family, a Roman Catholic, and one of my early school experiences was um, uh, being taught by the nuns that if you pray hard enough, God will answer your prayers. And of course, I prayed really hard to, to try to get an answer. How can I fix myself, or what? Why did you make me this way? Um, it didn't really work, so I just threw myself into <laughs> trying to understand science, but also art. I, I thought, you know, everything um, that taught, is taught in school, if I learn enough, eventually maybe I, you know, nobody else seems to be able to help, my parents or my teachers. Um, so it was always sort of a, a hidden dimension that was a problem, but a problem I thought maybe I could fix someday. So I, became, I was I was born also really quite intelligent and and I was able to really excel in school. In fact, I was kind of a space cadet. I uh, in high school I built a, a linear ion accelerator. It's like a small wow. particle accelerator. And I won a science fair contest and I was accepted to MIT, where I really wanted to go. But I got a full scholarship to Rice University, which is also quite a good school. But yeah. They also paid me to go there. Yeah. <laughs> so my parents said, "Oh, you should go there. Otherwise, we have to pay tuition." And and they were moving to Texas, and 
Mm. MIT's in Massachusetts, so Rice is in Houston. Right. So anyway, I went to Rice and I started studying physics. And um, after a year, I shifted to mathematics, which I found it really fascinating. Mm. And in my third year, I shifted to electrical engineering because I was interested in communicating, uh, communication, and trying to understand maybe how the brain works with electricity. And um, I, but I started getting interested in my fourth year uh, because I married, I married uh, a woman, even though mm -hmm. I felt like a woman. It, I, I was always attracted to, to women too. Um, I felt a more affinity with them and it was easy to communicate. And so I fell in love, uh, more of a platonic love. But um, we went to California just before my final year. And um, uh, she was an artist. So we gravitated towards uh, artists and hippies in California. <laughs> it was 1967. Wow. And it was a summer of love, and they talked me into LSD on the beach at night um, near Big Sur. Well, I had read about um, in magazines, Life and Time magazine, that people taking LSD often say they talk to God. So mm -hmm. I thought, ah, here's, here's my chance to find <laughs> out, you know, really what the secret why I was given this fascinating and confusing challenge. Okay, Shelly, why don't we hold it there? On the beach. Wait, wait. When we hold it there, I want to, I want to keep our audience uh, 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 on edge because we got to go to a break. But when you come back, tell us about what happened on that experience, okay? Sure. <laughs> All right. Great. So everybody, please stay tuned. You got to hear the, the, the rest of this story. Uh, you're listening to The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern time right here on talkradio.nyc and all over Facebook. And we will be right back with Dr. Shelley Joy after these messages. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.
And welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're speaking this hour with Dr. Shelley Renee Joy, author of the book, Tantric Psychophysics. Um, so Shelley, um, if you could please continue the story. You, 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 you kind of, being born a transgender person, you kind of questioning things. You wanted to know, like, what could you do about it? Um, you end up uh, married uh, on a beach in California, uh, and in the, in the late sixties, um, and uh, you know, and you have opportunity to do, do LSD. And what happened in that experience? Um, and just a reminder to unmute yourself, and 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 to everybody listening. I know you you can't see her the bandwidth issues uh, with Shelley, so she she's just on audio. So go ahead, doctor. Okay, yeah. Well, I live way up in the mountains in Northern California, so I have very poor internet, so um, I can't use my video. But that night on the beach was, um, well, anyone who's experienced entheogens know it's hard to describe. Of course, there were a lot of colors and amazing visual and sounds, but there was more than that. I, it was like other senses um, came to the forefront, senses that you really are we really don't have words for a lot of them. Um, they're ways of sensing in other dimensions. And um, uh, um, the theme was communication. I could actually mm. felt like I was touching other entities, other conscious entities, um, uh, maybe outside of space and time. I don't know. I, I was, you know, as a, as a trained scientist, I was trying to really observe what was happening, but I was sort of blown away, as they say, by by the reality of it, you know, I heard about hallucinations, which people say, oh, they're not real, they're like dreams. It was much more vivid than the normal dreams um, that I had up to that point. And, and uh, it was just, uh, it, it seemed to go on for, for more than hours. It was like, like days uh, in those mm. dimensions communicating with other entities. So uh, to sort of skip ahead, um, it opened up my my uh, awareness and interest in what what the what is the physics of consciousness? Uh, how do we how can we um, manipulate our awareness? How can we do this without drugs? Or what other drugs can I try to see? What other things I can experience? And what can I learn from all of this? Mm. Um, so I went back to school that fall and and uh, my grades really suffered that semester because i experimented with psilocybin mushrooms and ayahuasca wow. and well not ayahuasca that was more recently but uh, several things peyote even i went mm -hmm. to a native american church meeting and th these these were real to me uh, real dimensions and i was surprised that scientists and the science was seemed to be totally uninterested in trying to explore them they would dismiss them as um you know drug experiences well not right. everything is a drug experience when we eat food food is a drug experience my god food affects the way you think and feel and it keeps you alive and what are drugs they're they're uh, uh, same as food they're hydrocarbons they're very complex molecules and um, the physics of it is when they break down in your bloodstream they release their own unique uh, energy bandwidths frequencies of, of radiant energy that interacts with your own self. And so after I graduated, I got 
I moved to New York City and um, found lots oh. of teachers. I would go to lots of um, uh, uh, seminars and bought lots of books on on as many things as I could to understand consciousness. You you, you must have most uh, of the books were. You must have stopped by Weiser's bookshop. That was a real popular one back then. I lived about two blocks from Weiser's bookshop. <sighs> and I would go there every Saturday morning. Uh, that's where I discovered uh, books of uh, Rudolf Steiner. Steiner. Which I mm-hmm. got quite a few of. And uh, Rudolf Steiner, was a, he lived about 100 years ago and got quite a following in Europe and, and the world. He actually was an engineer too. Most people don't realize. Oh. He graduated from the Vienna Institute of Technology, and the Vienna Institute of Technology was kind of like our, our um, you know, we have a couple of uh, schools that are similar, which mainly train engineers and scientists. But he also, when he was young, um, he lived in the forest uh, area near Vienna, and he apparently made friends with a somebody who was called a herbalist. Uh-huh. They would go out camping, and, and I think the herbalist had a small cabin way up in the forest, and uh, apparently had experiences with entheogens also. Um, oh, they weren't, you know, illegal back then. In fact, Freud right. was one of his contemporaries and was really heavy into cocaine and, yeah. and things like that. Um, but Steiner, I, I, I believe the drugs for Steiner, like in my situation, opened him up to direct experience of what he called uh, the higher worlds. Mm. Steiner calls them the higher worlds. Um, in my research over the last uh, 40 years, I've been studying all these things, trying to connect science and physics with experiential uh, mysticism, let's say. Um, and when we talk about mysticism, usually scientists dismiss it. Oh, that's mysticism or something. Or right. you know, they dismiss yogis and uh, people in Tibet. But to me, the people in India and Tibet and, and China, the Taoists, they were the scientists of the inner worlds. They were yeah. scientists exploring consciousness directly. That was their main main interest. Whereas Western science has gone into the external world. You know the, the space right. and time things you can measure and see, and uh, it's great for developing. Um, you know uh, the internet and and iPhones and. Uh, and weapons, which right. are now today being used in Ukraine, sadly. Unfortunately, um, yeah. But I, I really have always tried to, um, you know, as I got older and I finally got a PhD um, in consciousness studies, I've tried to support uh, and um, and explain the experiences of mystics and, and, and saints, people who explore consciousness, trying to support them with uh, principles of science and I found that so many connections that really make sense. Um, so uh, I could really maybe jump to try to explain what I've learned um, and, and put together over the years. Uh, but yeah. but I would say that there are other dimensions that we can link with and explore, and they will make you a healthier, uh, richer, um, more functional self. Uh, it turns out that there are Apparently, according to string theory and M theory, which are the basis of modern quantum mechanics, mechanics yeah. there are 11 dimensions, 11 dimensions. Some say there's 12, and uh, more recently, they say there may be others. They came to this conclusion by finding that mathematics that supports 
the results of um, accelerator experiments, the uh, cyclotrons and the Large Hadron Accelerator and things like that, where they smash electrons, protons, and neutrons together, and they take photographs of the uh, little subparticles that come off from the explosions. Right. The only way to, to explain the subparticles was by positing additional dimensions, dimensions yeah. beyond the four dimensions of space and time. You know, right. time yeah. is one dimension and space is three, three. X, Y, and Z, uh, if you look at them geometrically. And we live in mostly in space-time with our, with our uh, brain cells and our neurological cells. But when you go into radiant energy, like electromagnetic radiation and, uh, and plasma, there are multiple other dimensions. And I believe that these, uh, what Steiner called the higher worlds, are other dimensions. And mm -hmm. we live within all of the dimensions. As human beings, up to this point, we mostly are only aware of the four dimensions of things that our eyes can see, our ears can hear, maybe our nose can smell and we can touch. But there are other dimensions. And those are the ones that you begin to experience if you do take psilocybin or uh, LSD or uh, MDM. I mean, a lot of things right. open up your sensory range a little bit or a lot wider. Right. Places. So, uh, but I think really that everybody should experience these things, and they can. But it takes uh, it could, it takes taking drugs is one quick way, but not probably the best way. Maybe just to get a little taste of it, and to, and to show people that they're real. These other dimensions, but practicing traditional forms of meditation and contemplation are the best practical ways to um, catalyze and open up and grow these other senses. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I know you, you know something about the chakras. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I, I'll uh, talk about that if you want. Well, well we, we, it's time for us to take our next break. But before we go to break, just really, really quickly, I, I just have to know, how did you get ahead of an opportunity to work with, with John Lil, Dr. John Lilly? And what was he like? <laughs> but, but like, keep it short because we got to go to break soon. <laughs> Yeah, well, I was working as a, a student programmer at the uh, Point Magoo Missile Range in California in oh. that summer of 67, and I would go out to the pier and where they trained porpoises. They had porpoises, and um. I, I, I used to see this man there on the pier with me during lunch break, and I started talking with him, and it turned out we were both ham radio uh, licensed operators because we loved communication. His mm. name was John Lilly. Uh, he was there because they had bought his porpoises. They had closed. He was doing research with porpoises in the Virgin Islands. Uh, he would mm -hmm. take LSD with the porpoises and try to communicate. He called it interspecies communication. Well, now the Navy, sh the government shut down his LSD research. So the Navy got his porpoises. They were training the poor porpoises to carry bombs and into High Pond uh, Harbor and put them on uh, you know, the ships. It was really sad. Yeah, was kind of upset about it, obviously. But yeah, um, sure. then I I'm met sure. him again in New York City when I moved to New York after, uh. after I graduated. And he showed me how to build um, uh, meditation chambers, these sensory deprivation chambers, very dark. Mm -hmm. I built one in my Lower East Side loft. I lived on the Lower East Side. Oh. And um, it turned out they're really good for meditating. It, you know, 
Yeah. The tr yeah. Traditional yogis and, and meditating caves were dark and quiet. And, uh, and John Lilly then shifted his focus to exploring the inner worlds. Uh, yes. What Steiner yes. would call the, the higher worlds and what, what I call now uh, other dimensions, the other dimensions of, of quantum physics that we live within. Right. We, we're sort of like in an ocean of, of, of consciousness that extends into all of these other dimensions. Only mm. our senses have not quite yet evolved to, to perceive these things. Right. Unless we uh, take the crush of drugs. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So, we so develop them through Yeah. Okay. So let's leave it there for the moment. Um, when we come back, I want to really dig into your book. Um, I just want to also, if you would, when we come back, we're going to define the terms both tantric and psychophysics, because it may not necessarily mean what people think they mean. And then um, I really want to talk about what you learned about sort of the Eastern traditions in Hinduism and Hinduism and, and Buddhism and, and how modern uh, uh, quantum physicists like David Bohm uh, uh, really started how things started to come together. Okay. Okay, sure. All right, great. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we'll be right back after this. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7 Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back. We've been speaking this hour with uh, Dr. Shelley Joy, author of the book Tantric Psychophysics. Um, so, uh, Dr. Joy, uh, let's just uh, define the term uh, for our audience. 
when you say tantric psychophysics, what is tantric and what is psychophysics? Because, you know, sometimes we get a certain idea in our head from words. Oh, well, I would say, um, in fact, I thought of uh, the first idea for the title of my book was The Science and Art of Cosmic Communication. Mm. Um, so, but uh, tantric psychophysics actually uh, was more in line with things I had also studied. I actually got a master's degree in Indian philosophy after uh, living mm. in New York for a while. I was trying to understand Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. And I found so many different translations of even a single sentence yeah. that I felt I needed to be able to at least know the Sanskrit alphabet to be able to look up words in the Sanskrit dictionary and really get a feeling for what these people were trying to talk about. So I, um, I learned about Tantra uh, when I started studying Sanskrit and Indian philosophy. It actually, in the West, has a really wrong impression, uh, and mm -hmm. in Britain too, I suppose, People think immediately that Tantra is the yoga of sex. And they think of the statues uh, uh, showing Maithuna, which is sexual intercourse. Um, very graphic and descriptive, but really Tantra means a lot more than that. And, and sex could be a part of it. Uh, drugs are a part of it. But basically what Tantra means is anything that works. Anything that is empirically found to um, help uh, catalyze consciousness in the individual to, to the perception of the higher worlds or the inner dimensions or the, uh, the, the higher self or the collective consciousness, uh, things like that. Uh, Tantra actually means uh, weaving. And the, uh, the idea is that you weave different threads of knowledge. In my case, I'm weaving uh, quantum mechanics and neurophysiology and art and um, and, and, and meditation and yoga and Taoism and all of the different religions, the more that you uh, understand in different subject areas, the more you can get a wider perspective and weave things together into a more meaning, uh, whole cloth of understanding. So that's my take on Tantra and why I use that word. Um, psychophysics is something that is fairly new. Um, it, it is... Uh, using science to try to understand consciousness, but not only understand the physics of consciousness, you know, once you understand it, uh, to some extent, you, be, you can become like a, an engineer. I mean, I'm an engineer of electromagnetic fields. Um, my particular engineering deals with invisible things. Uh, electricity and electric, electromagnetic fields and plasma are all invisible to our senses, but um, but they're real, uh, just like uh, consciousness is real. But most modern neurophysiologists think that it only comes from nerves. Nerves, there's somehow the nerves in our body, the neuro, neurological system works. But really what I've discovered is that, um, uh, and more people are be beginning to believe that consciousness is much more than just the nervous system. Right. Many people think it's a part of uh, the plasma of the human body, that each one of us, is sort of like a glowing entity. You could call it a soul or a, a etheric, the etheric double. Um, when you look at a human with a sniper scope or a, a night vision goggles, uh, they're, they're looking at the infrared energy coming out of a human being. So right. you can actually, with one of those night vision goggles, see people. 
glowing in the dark. So why are we glowing? Because we're radiating energy mm. in the infrared region, just just below visible light. And um, it, it has the capacity to carry lots of information. You can carry a lot more information with these higher frequencies than you can with even radio waves. So I believe that consciousness is uh, intimately part of our bloodstream system, much more than the nervous system. That we, we actually oh. have 60,000 miles of capillaries in our body. And mm -hmm. the areas that have the most capillaries are the areas that correspond to what the Indians call in Sanskrit chakras. Right. And the chakra, for instance, uh, uh, say the chakra in your even your abdomen there's a chakra right in the center behind right. the navel more or less it's an area that's rich with capillaries it's also rich with nerves there's a lot of nerve plexes and endocrine system so these are very complex regions they're fairly small you know just a, a few inches in diameter maybe but they're they're actually act like like distributed brains like little centers of consciousness that do things for you Right. The, your 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 neuronal brain, your laptop up in your head, having right. to worry about it. So we never yeah. think about uh, yeah uh, regulating our heartbeat, digestion. These areas are are areas that the mystics have discovered by focusing on them in meditation every day or or, or regularly. They begin to uh, grow, and at some point they start to sense. Some of these other dimensions that Steiner talks about, um, mm. that John Lilly talks about even. And it's not only in Asia, in Taoism uh, and Tibet and, and, um, and South India. These, it's also part of the Christian tradition and, and the Jewish tradition. Um, there's, there's a lot of mystics uh, in the West who have focused on the heart, for instance. Uh, in, yeah. in my Catholic tradition, they call it the sacred heart of Jesus. But by mm -hmm. and the throat, there's a throat chakra. Yes. Um, by focusing on the particular area, it, it it the capillaries dilate, and the more more blood goes to that area, that area gets warmer. It gets rich with food, and also mm -hmm. uh, conversely, it pulls away the toxins because you have more blood flow, and it starts to nourish those that chakra area, and they become more sensitive and more active. And according to the mystics and some of my own experiences, they they begin to act like ways of communicating with other other dimensions of consciousness. Mm. Um, and sometimes you can see in an individual human that one chakra area sort of fights against another area. You know, some of the uh, scandals of politicians, um, their very bottom chakra, the one that's yeah. at the, the bottom <laughs> of their... Uh, just the root chakra, yeah. They're just above it. Yeah, they, they, you know, they can't control it in a way, you know. Even though yeah. they, they, they know it will ruin their career, they can't help themselves. Well, also with uh, people who eat too much, maybe, and they just focus on food so much, the chakra in their belly may be uh, gaining, a, 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 you know, a preponderance of uh, influence mm. over the whole body. Right. There's people whose uh, throat chakra, maybe they talk too much. Sometimes they're worried about my own chakra and my throat. <laughs> and the heart chakra often said to be uh, the center of compassion and love and altruism and 
uh, it's one of the real primary ways of communicating with the higher self, mm. or God, or, or the implicate order. Uh, I think you wanted me to talk about David Bohm a little bit. David well, let's 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 uh, let's wait. Uh, let's wait on that because because we need to take one last break before we finish the show off. Um, but sure. but the, there were a lot of things you said that um, bring so much to mind, like how how doctors lately have found like there's a neural network in the heart and in the gut, not just only in our brain, so that we actually in a way have three brains, not just one brain, and. Um, you know, this whole idea of consciousness, uh, of, of where is the seat of consciousness in the body, and that people talk about the pineal gland, the third eye, and things like that, um, and whether the brain is, is a generator of consciousness, or is it a receiver of consciousness? So l- let's hold it there for the moment. When we come back, let's talk about that, whether we're generators or, or receivers, and then how does... The, the modern physicists like Bohm sort of bring together this ancient mysticism um, into modern times, okay? Sounds good. Okay, so everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we'll be right back with Dr. Shelley Joy after this. Join us every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses, and experts in psychology and behavior to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid, or what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4 p.m. every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Leadership, here live on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We've been speaking this hour with Dr. Shelley Joy, author of the book, Tantric Psychophysics. So Dr. Joy, um, as I finished up last segment, I was just asking you, and, and we don't have a lot of time in this last segment, but just this idea of from your explorations, is, is, are we 
generators of consciousness or are we actually receivers of consciousness? Um, I would say we're, we're more like um, uh, transducers of consciousness. In uh. other words, we're, we, um, there is one consciousness in the universe. Um, and mm. that consciousness is what Carl Jung called the self with a capital S, the, the one self, uh, the one being. Uh, Olaf Stapleton uh, called it the star maker. Um, or many religions call it God. Right. And so there's one self, and we are that self. In fact, the Upanishads in India, uh, you know, a famous saying is that uh, uh, you are God, I am God. We are, we are God, but we don't know it because we are little diffractions of God. You know how when light goes into a prism, uh, one mm -hmm. of these glass prisms, it, uh, it's diffracted into uh, so many colors of the rainbow. And right. that's actually many, many, many frequencies. Each one is separate by, right. by a, a tiny, tiny uh, wavelength. They're all unique. So it starts out as the one light. Now, David Bohm, the, the famous physicist, uh, he wrote the, one of the handbooks on quantum mechanics that was used mm -hmm. for many, many years. He was a kind of a black sheep in science and among physicists. Mm -hmm. Although he was a genius, he believed that uh, consciousness was an important thing to, to, to explore. And he believed that consciousness exists primarily in these other dimensions, not in space and time. That the mm. consciousness that we have or we experience as humans is just a little, um, uh, it's, it's like a diffraction. We are little bits of that consciousness. We are like a peripherals on a, on a large computer system. We're looking at the universe from a unique perspective. So it allows the one self, the big capital self, to, to experience uh, his, her universe uh, and create things through all of these little tiny um, uh, different uh, uh, webcams. So in a way, we're like little webcams and the one self, uh, you could call it God, if uh, you know, if you don't uh, put me on a hit list or something, yeah. <laughs> is actually looking through us. So consciousness is looking through us from deep within, deep, deep mm. within, really tiny dimensions. And it's the tiny dimensions of wavelengths uh, are, that are the highest frequencies. If anyone uh, understands a bit about uh, frequencies and elect electromagnetic waves, the smaller the wavelength, the higher the frequency. Frequency, yeah. High frequencies carry frequency. more information. Yeah. So the highest information collection is down there extremely way smaller at subquantum dimensions below, much smaller than, a, than an atom even, or an electron. Mm. And out of that comes, uh, that, that's where David Bohm thought consciousness was primarily in, at the lowest dimensions, at the center gotcha. everywhere, gotcha. looking out. Gotcha. So that consciousness is looking through us, through our right. eyes, and it's our, our brains that act like a, a, a local uh, computer, like a desktop computer. And that, that computer thing, until you're able to connect to an internet, and then you realize, oh, there's all kinds of other brains out there, and we can connect and communicate. So communication right. is a key. Um, right. And, and uh, it's hard to describe this in a, an hour because I've yes. got 17 books yeah. that, try, <laughs> that try to 
close to it. And I'm still writing. Uh, I keep trying to get uh, get it, make it more clear. Mm. Um, I really try to put a lot of illustrations in the book so that yeah. people can grasp some of the concepts. Right. So, so I was doing calculus. Yes, I, I noticed you. You really get into a lot of deep subjects in the book. You really you talk a lot about. I mean, I, I love the section on Gurdjieff. And, and and on the physics end of thing, having studied physics, but for a lot of people, that can be a, a, a little too much. What, what is it? Why did you write this book? Like you said, you've written 17 books. Like why another book? And what is it that you hope people get out of this book? Like what is your intention behind it of how we can use this information in a day like today when, you know, there's all kinds of things going on in the world? Yeah, well, I think it's really important that people learn that they can connect to God, can connect to the other dimensions, they can connect to each other on a higher bandwidth, a higher level, that Teilhard de Chardin calls it the noosphere, the thinking envelope of the earth, uh, that mm. we're not separate, we're all connected to one another and to God, which is our real self, and to right. psychophysics, um, which I would have called the science and art of cosmic communication. I've tried to gather together in one book all of the most important ways, techniques that people can practice to practice meditation and contemplation in order to get, get in touch with their deeper self, that deepest self that is connecting all of us. Mm -hmm. And it will heal them, you know, it will heal their, their, their anxiety, uh, their fear. Um, it will help people uh, find out who they really are. And, and so I was trying to not only uh, collect all of these techniques that were important from Tibet and India and Christianity and Judaism and Taoism, but I'm trying to give them a scientific basis for those who are interested in science. Um, a lot of people into science move away from religion, the religion of their childhood. Right, and right. I'm trying to show them that religion is... is means relinking religion is you know religion means reconnecting reconnecting mm. to your real self and and to the universe and the cosmos um, right so it's it's so not really about changing yeah. so, so you're not out to change anybody's beliefs per se but it's about using what's already in our backgrounds, which are how we were already raised, using what we already know and to be able to go deeper, to be able to connect, to have sort of that direct experience as opposed to going through any kind of intermediary. Definitely. And it's not throwing away what you learned as a child, uh, whether you're a Roman Catholic or a Baptist or a Hindu or a Muslim. It's, it's going back to your childhood beliefs and expanding them, expanding mm. upon them and seeing how they are, they, are, they are not counterintuitive with science and with mysticism. And that we can, we can learn, the more we learn, the, the, the more we have freedom from fear and we, we, we have more techniques for uh, enriching our life and, and bringing more peace to our communities. Um, yeah. understanding about why we're here, uh, uh, where we're going, and who are we? Who are we as as, as individual conscious entities? Mm -hmm. So um, I've gotten a pretty good response to my book, uh, and I, I I keep trying, as I said, to to write more clearly so that more people can 
can avail themselves of, uh, I'm not adding anything new, I'm just sort of using the, the tantric practical techniques of pulling information together from many, many sources and weaving it into a, 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 a fabric, a cloth of understanding that will help people um, on their whatever path they're on, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, everybody has to develop their own technique of prayer and their own technique of contemplation. Yeah, they can't, yeah. can't blindly follow somebody else's way because we're all unique. Right, right. beautifully unique. Right. Well, well Dr. Shelley, I, I, I really appreciate the effort that you made in, in bringing so much amazing material together in one book. Again, the name of the book is Tantric Psychophysics. It's available in all uh, the major bookstores and publishers. Um, Dr. Joy, if, if somebody wants to learn more about you, do you have a website? Do you have some place online that people can go to learn more about your teachings? Yes, I have a website that has about a dozen recordings of interviews and uh, a lot of my paintings. I'm also a painter of abstract wow. paintings and, uh, and uh, information on my books is shellyjoy.net s-h-e-l-l-i-j-o-y-e dot net or you can uh, google my name Shelly Joy or find 17 of my books on amazon.com so all right. I, I, uh, I hope whatever I've done well, all my work some people <laughs> wonderful wonderful I appreciate and your show well, thank you so much. And I appreciate, you know, all the work you've done. And I hope if you, uh, if your travels uh, take you back to New York City one day in the future, you look me up so we can uh, uh, meet face to face and have a very long, long, long conversation. <laughs> certainly will. Yes, Sam. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. And of course, thank you, my loyal listeners, for tuning in each and every week. Uh, Patty, again, uh, a big shout out to my loyal listener, Patty, for happy birthday, uh, uh, Patty, and, and I hope you're having a good one. Um, so please stay tuned to all the other great shows on the network coming up later today. Uh, Frank Harrison with the show Frank About Health at 5 p.m. having a great panel discussion on uh, social justice in the healthcare system uh, with a, a, a couple of amazing guests uh, and as well as his, his regular guest, Retha Gray. Um, and thank you all. We will talk to you all next week. run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? 
Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. uninformed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.